This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal Transfer Show. Joining you every morning at 8 a.m. UK time. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Hope you had a fantastic start or rather end to your week. I'm in that phase where I'm really kind of losing track of the days. It's, it's definitely Thursday, isn't it? It's that weird betwixt feeling between Christmas and New Year's Eve that I, I just can't quite fathom what day it is, as well as that combined with having annual leave where you have no concept of the days. But what we do know is that Arsenal play in just two days' time. So uh, that's kind of the bearing that I've got for myself at the moment. Uh, anyway, good morning, everybody joining us live in the chat box today. Matt G, Rocky, Akmal, good morning. Uh, we got Olu, we got uh, Temi, we got Kaiser, Red Star, Lee, Amira, uh, good morning, guys. Uh, Harvey, Keynes, Francois, uh, Rahil. Uh, we've got, uh, who else we've got? Rohit, uh, Mohammed, Christopher, Machiavelli, uh, Dando, uh, Peter, Stevie and Brad. Good morning to everybody else as well. Unfortunately, can't say good morning to everybody. But please take this overall morning as a morning to all of you. Um, it's it's really getting interesting, I think, in terms of the Premier League action returning. I think we've seen some very interesting results and performances. Yesterday was was no different, uh, even though it was probably, you know, a, a, an expected victory for Manchester City. It took until the end of the first half for them to score, and I thought that Leeds were the, you know, the, the instigator of their own downfall, if you will. They really did um, create their own problems. They didn't clear the ball with the first goal. They gave the ball straight away with the second goal. And uh, it was a real gift of a game for Erling Haaland to add another couple of goals, which means that they, of course, closed the gap once again to five points. Haaland spoke after the game in which he said that they need to hunt Arsenal down. They can try. Um, Arsenal just need to keep winning. It is, as they say, in our own hands very much this early on. We just need to keep on picking up the points that we got. And we've got a very, very difficult game, of course, against Brighton coming uh, this New Year's Eve. Now, what we can talk about is the Man City fixtures that are coming up. They play a very, very weak Everton side, of course, on their New Year's Eve game at three o'clock. We expect them to, to win that and then put the pressure on Arsenal, of course, to two and a half hours later to get their points uh, away at Brighton, which is particularly tricky. But then they're away at Chelsea on the 5th of January when we're, of course, playing 
Newcastle during that same time period. They then go uh, and play Chelsea again just three days later in the FA Cup third round. They then travel to Southampton in the EFL quarterfinal. Uh, they play Man United, Spurs, Wolves. They play Spurs again before playing Aston Villa and then us. So there's a difficult run of fixtures for them as well as us. At the end of February's kind of middle phase, I think we could have a good idea about where things stand. And then you've got Newcastle, of course, as well, that have got their own challenging run of fixtures as well that they'll need to overcome. They have to face some tests. Yes, they've got a good result against Man City already this season. They've still got to play us. They've still got to play some other very decent sides as well. We'll have to see how they get over those um, those challenges that they've got as well. So that Newcastle game we've got coming up at the start of January is an absolute must win and we cannot afford to drop points against them. Uh, Takahiro Tomiyasu is expected to return and be back for Arsenal in the game against Brighton on New Year's Eve, which is good. We need, I think, Tomiyasu back for some of these games across January. We know that Arteta's like to use him in that left-back role when we want to play a little bit more cautiously, maybe against Anthony, maybe against Kulisevsky. We might decide to use Tomiyasu in those games. Although, saying that, when we play Man United at home, we might want to be more you know, I want to show more impetus and use Inchenko there. But maybe away at Spurs, it'll be an opportunity to use Tomiyasu again in that left-back role to see if he can lock down that Almiron threat uh, from if we play Newcastle. And, of course, that Kulisevsky threat when we go away to Spurs. Uh, now, the Cronkies are said to want to back uh, Arsenal to win the title this season. David Ornstein was speaking on American television, talking about uh, a number of transfer targets, which we'll expand more a little bit later on in the show. But specifically... The fact that the Cronkies have been spoken about in this real kind of pushing to, to, to really give Arsenal the best opportunity possible to win a title for the first time in what feels like forever. It's been, of course, and will be uh, 17 years come 2023 until we won't, well, since we won 17. And my math's going weird. 19? Think about it, 2004, 6, 3. Yeah, it's it's 19 years, isn't it? It's, it's even longer than you think that it might be, uh, what it would be in 2023. It's 19 years since that point. So it would be an amazing achievement for Arsenal to go and win the title this season ahead of all expectations, well beyond anyone's imagining but they are said to want to back the club to try and win the title. Now, Arsenal are anticipating a bid from Fulham for Cedric, and it will either come in the form of a permanent deal or in the form of uh, a loan with an obligation to buy. That's according to Simon Collings of the Evening Standard. Um, Cedric is in a position where he would, I would imagine, probably want to, to move, especially to another London club if it guarantees him more football towards the end of his career. He knows that with Ben White and Tommy Asu there, he isn't really getting that much of a look in. You've got young players coming through in those positions as well. If Arsenal can get a decent amount of money for Cedric, I think it's a really positive thing. That said, they are going to be very cautious about who they let go because they know that they are short in certain areas of the squad and that could become very apparent if White or Tommy Asu suffer injury problems, of which we know both have a history of at the club. Now, Brendan Rodgers is said to be trying to convince Yuri Tielemans to sign a brand new contract. This is according to the Leicester correspondents of the BBC. They claim that indeed the uh, Leicester City manager wants Tielemans to stay and wants to try and convince him to sign a new contract. Could this then have some kind of impact on whether or not uh, Tielemans is available come the end of the season on a free move. Of course, if he signs that deal, it would, because it would end Arsenal's hope of getting him on a free or any other club for that matter. But 
Uh, Tielemans has always been very keen on leaving Leicester. He's not been performing particularly well across the season either. He's had some good performances, some not so good performances, especially the last one weren't so great. Um, but I think that is more down to his mindset right now, which if anything indicates that he just doesn't seem to be happy where he is. I'd be surprised if he signed that new deal, especially with all the talk around Arsenal and a number of other teams and how much he's wanted to leave supposedly too. But stranger things, indeed, as we say on the channel, have happened. Now, the uh, Shakhtar Donetsk Vice President Nicolini Vice, uh, not Nicolini Vice, just Nicolini. He is the Vice President, but uh, <laughs> imagine if he was the Vice President and his surname was also Vice. Um, but Nicolini has been talking about Mikolai um, Mudrik, of course, and that interest from Arsenal. He says players have been sold that the clubs wanted to sell and that we believe are no stronger than Mudrik with a valuation of around 100 million. So we consider 60 million euros few. Uh, he also went on to say that it wouldn't even be considered. Now, that 60 million, of course, is uh, a package deal which includes 20 million in add ons. We've got a situation where it was a 40 million euro add on, uh, 40 million euro upfront structured with a 20 million euro add-on package as well. So you've got an amount of money there that I think the club saw as a very fair and adequate valuation of the player. There is an expectation that they will go back in. There is also an expectation, according to Sky Sports' Darmesh Chef, who said that there is a, kind of a feeling around things that Mudrik would be pushing for this and that a compromise would eventually be reached. This was also confirmed by David Ornstein as well. But for those of you that maybe still are wondering, is he worth this kind of money? Some of you are probably questioning this. I've seen this a lot online. Uh, I'm going to endeavour to bring you all of the facts, the knowledge, the insights for you to make a more informed decision, maybe change your minds about Mudrik a little bit later on today as we do the ultimate breakdown of Mikhailo Mudrik. I'll be joined by Ukrainian journalist Andrew Todos, who runs Zoya Londonsk, is a correspondent to plenty of outlets talking about Ukrainian football, focused on the Ukrainian football during the 2018 World Cup and spoke about it plenty more uh, in, in other outlets too. Uh, so he's worked in case for the BBC and for other outlets talking about Ukrainian football and has been doing a lot of talking about Mikhailo Mudrik. So we'll be bringing you that. We'll be bringing you stats. We'll be bringing you graphics. We'll be bringing you insight about how he plays it on the counter, how he plays against low block teams. We'll be bringing you all of that insights on Mikhailo Mudrik a little bit later on today around 2pm. We're going to be doing it live as well. So you'll even be able to answer questions or ask questions to Andrew in the chat box. So make sure you set your alarms for 2 p.m. UK time this afternoon. And lastly, our headline story, uh, David Ornstein speaking, as I said, with American television, confirmed that Arsenal do indeed want two forwards and that other forward is seemingly Joao Felix, as we expected it to be. And that an inquiry has been made by Arsenal about a potential loan deal to George Mendes, who has, of course, been offering Joao Felix around uh, to a number of clubs. However, the numbers have seemingly put off Man United and Chelsea at this stage. Arsenal, I think, too, we hear, would be needing the price, not the price, but more so the expectation of his wages to come down. At the moment, he's earning well over £200,000 per week. I think Arsenal will be asking Atleti to take over some of those wages during the loan period. Of That five, uh, £8 million loan price tag, I think, would be something that Arsenal wouldn't have too much of an issue with. Maybe they'd want it to come out, come down slightly, but it's more the wages associated with that Joao Felix deal um, that would be the big kind of stumbling block, I think, if Arsenal were to try and take Joao Felix on 
loan. So there you go. That is all of today's stories. I'm looking forward to bringing you that show about Mikhailo Mudrik a little bit later on today. Um, but without further ado, we're going to move right now to your questions in part two after this. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, uh, let's move to part two and your questions uh, in the chat box. Uh, Let's scroll up a little bit more. Uh, Lynn says, question, Tom, uh, to be fair, even they have the Cronkies, uh, even they being the Cronkies, of course, have changed towards the club and their spending back uh, towards Arteta uh, is 100% trying to get us the Premier League. Um, I think the things have changed, of course, with the ownership. I think from 2018, when the Cronkies took full ownership of Arsenal, That was the big turning point in terms of club spending. We've seen massive amounts of money invested into the club since 2018. We've seen Arsenal break their transfer record, not only for individual players, but for individual transfer windows as well. All of the criticism towards the Cronkies in in many areas is still absolutely valid. But what I would say, especially in the Super League context, what I would say is that obviously all the criticism about do they care, are they going to invest, they need to spend. Before 2018, I kind of have that, not sympathy, but understanding as to why they didn't. Because if you don't fully own something, the question is, why would you then invest money into it? Now, they do fully own the club. They are backing Arteta. They've not only backed Arteta, but they've backed things since 2018. They've invested money into the club. And we've seen the benefits of that. And we are seeing that this season, of course, with where we sit in the table. Hopefully, this January window is going to be a massive uh, kind of boost to the club as well. Um, let's go to Deepak, who says, question, Joao Felix understands it's for a loan. Do you think this could become a permanent deal? If the player thrives, if he was to say hypothetically, move to Arsenal and does really well, I imagine that would there would be discussions between Arsenal and Atleti at the end of the season. The problem is if he does do really, really well, he is under a long-term contract still long enough that Atleti would ask for that 100 million euro figure that's the big stumbling block if you want to sign Joao Felix on a permanent deal. I haven't got much issue with us signing him on loan at all. I think it would be a good, pretty much a no-brainer move for Arsenal to sign him on loan during the window. We've got Balogun coming back at the end of the season. That gives us that additional strike that we don't need to invest in if we want to. But maybe Arsenal would be tempted to go big on Joao Felix if he was to be a huge success come the end of the season. I imagine you'd get the classic comments of, he's playing for a contract. But how can you differentiate that between a player just playing for a contract and a player playing well? Very difficult to do that. Um, where do we expect Felix wants to go, says Steve? It's difficult to know. You know, David Ornstein for The Athletic reported that the feeling was that Arsenal would suit Felix more than some of the other clubs like Man United that he's being linked to. Whether or not that goes into his own thinking We don't really know at this stage. So, sorry, Steve, a bit of a cop-out answer, but ultimately, we don't really know, but that's the information that we have on where the experts feel he should be moving. 
Um, Ashley says, do you think the timeline of Jesus' comeback is crucial in getting Felix slash another forward? Personally, the second forward will only sign late depending on Jesus' recovery if he's injured until late March slash April. Now, there's been no suggestions at this moment in time that Jesus' injury should see him out until April. If there is any setbacks in his injury uh, rehabilitation, that would, of course, impact things. But there's been no indication that April is the return period. It's been much more February slash March. I think that Arsenal want to sign a striker anyway. They know they're short right now. They know they need to bring someone in just in case they have another injury to say in Ketia. Then that could really mess things up for Arsenal. So I think whether or not Jesus' timeline would be extended with any kind of setback, whether they think he might return later than what most people expect him to, I still think they want to sign somebody regardless of that just so that they know that they've taken this opportunity that's presented itself regarding a potential uh, title challenge this season. Um, Daniel says, who is the CDM that we're going after? There's a number of players that Arsenal said to be linked to. We aren't 100% sure about a, a specific player that they might go for. The name in the frame at the moment seems to be Ibrahim Abamba from Victoria Guimaraes, 21-year-old Italian uh, playing in Portugal. We don't know loads about him. If the links intensify, you know I'll bring you a tactical breakdown, but at the moment, it doesn't seem to be that midfield is being prioritised. It does seem that that forward line is the one that is being looked at more heavily. Of course, there could be things going on behind the scenes that we're at the moment very much unaware of. And I kind of hope that that's the case in some senses. Uh, Emily says, uh, hey Tom, how is it that Liverpool see this happening with other clubs too? Can sign an unveiled Gakpo before the transfer window is open? Um the transfer window is basically a period in which players can be registered. Um, and with the Eredivisie not back underway, with PSV not playing any games, of course, um, I, I'm pretty sure that's the case anyway, they can basically sign the player ahead of the window and then just register him before the window opens. We've done it before. We did it with Lucas Podolski. If you remember, we signed him like way back in March, I think of 2012. Um, before we sign, before we then officially like sorted it all out in in the summer. Maybe it wasn't as early as March, but it was very early on. Chelsea did it as well with Timo Werner. Timo Werner then didn't play in the Champions League games for RB Leipzig because Chelsea had already activated his release clause. It's a very strange scenario, that one. Um, but it can happen. You can get an agreement with a club uh, before the window opens. You just can't play them until the transfer window opens because you have to register them during that period. So I hope that answers your question, Emily. Uh, Amira says, why do journalists love publishing the same story but rephrasing words like in talks, in discussions, in conversations, etc.? Interactions are important, but wouldn't it affect your credibility? I can't speak, Amira, for, for what other people do. Um, from my perspective, you know, I as an Arsenal writer, are constantly trying to... I'm looking at the latest information that's out there. I'm looking for the latest stories out there. I'm trying to find stories out myself and will write stories based upon that. I'll also write pieces based upon kind of my thought process on things. So we're linked to Mikhailo Mudrik. So I did that piece on the 23 minutes that Mikhailo Mudrik has, has played, which really kind of burst him onto the scene to give people insight on that. I like writing those opinion-based pieces around tactics and analytics, but I can't speak for anybody else and what they do, you know... Those phrases are buzzwords that I always recommend that you look out for. You know, I always advise you you guys when you're listening or you're reading pieces to look for facts. You know, that's how you're going to get a better understanding of the situation. Look for money. Look for uh, the words like bearded, inquiry, uh, looking for timeframes. You know, these factual sort of things rather than the more broad terminologies that don't really give us anything. You know, when you see words like have an interest in... Um, are in discussions with, um, 
these types, you know, our tracking, you know, these types of broad terminology, even inquiry, to be fair, is quite broad. So you want to look for facts, you want to look for timelines, you want to look for dates, you want to look for money valuations, you want to look for bids, you know, that's what you want to look for. So whilst I can't really answer your question in terms of the why, I can always give you that advice as to how you should approach different stories. Um, Benji says, Tom, say we do get Felix and Mudrick, how quickly would you want to deploy them? And would you want them starting or rotating in the league? Um, For me, Benji, and I got asked this question actually yesterday on social media, um, the, the question was, why are we spending so much money on Mudrik when he doesn't even start for us right now? And it's a fair question because Mudrik doesn't start for Arsenal right now. And we're spending a lot. The point of this, and I talked about this on a previous show, is that Mudrik is like the perfect finisher for us right now. He's the perfect player to come on and end games for us when we take off Martinelli or we take off Saka. You know, you've got a player coming off the bench that can add real quality, real threat at full fitness and really kind of kill the game off for us. And then in future seasons, we can see him develop into a potential starter. It's an investment. It's about looking into a player for the future that can have still have an impact in the short term and more importantly, in the long term. With Joao Felix, Felix comes into things I imagine he would be on the bench to start with. And then in the Europa League games or the FA Cup games and the, and the um, just kind of the midweek games, you can rotate him with Enketi. You can sub him on at half time, or you can sub off Enketi earlier on or you can choose to rotate. It's going to take some time for them to integrate. That's why signing players early in the January window is as important as possible. You don't want to be waiting until deadline day. You want to try and get this stuff done as soon as we can. You think back to last season, Spurs managed to get in Bentancur and Kulusevski, and despite my doubts in those two players, they went on to have a fantastic season. And what I think is important is that kind of goes to show that our, our kind of perception of a player at one club, you know, my perception of Kulusevski at Juventus was, I'm not really sure if he is going to make it kind of the top level, and yet you see him play under a different coach and a different team, and you see how good he is, which is kind of the same thing with Tielemans in a way for the people that are writing him off. I would say... Don't completely write a player off. If the club are after them, they clearly have an interest in the player. They clearly have done their homework and due diligence in looking into the player and maybe have a bit of faith into the reasons as to why they are pushing for that player. You know, I had a number of discussions yesterday with people about Mudrick's style and what he fits into. We're going to go into a lot of detail today about that with our tactical breakdown on him. But it's important to consider that the club do always do their due diligence, especially in this current setup of the recruitment regime. Are they going to be perfect? No. Are they going to mistakes? Probably. But I think it's important to lean on the the track record of the recruitment team that we've seen build a, a starting eleven at least that are now title con- competitors. We just now need to build a squad that's of title challenging credentials. That's what we're looking to do. Okay, uh, Liam says, at what point does Mudrik become too expensive and we start looking at alternative targets? I think if Shakhtar refused to come down on that 100 million, I've reported and, and, and noted the information that I have, which is that Arsenal are reluctant to make Mudrik their record signing. They don't want him to exceed that £72 million uh, record signing that we made. We don't want that added pressure on him. So maybe if it gets to above €80 million, Euros, which is what Pepe cost, I think that's when we start seeing a problem. If they can get him for 75 million euros, I think that's probably the maximum that they would go to. Um, but they don't really want him to become our record signing. Um, 
Let's go to, let's go down a little bit more. <laughs> Steve says, to the chat room, I'm late. I'm very late, but have you liked the video? Have you liked the video indeed? Thanks, Steve. Uh, if you haven't already dropped a uh, like on today's video, please take just one quick second to press one quick button. It means the world and really does make an impact on the channel and sends it out to more and more people through YouTube's uh, platform. So yes, please do drop a like on the video and subscribe if you are indeed tuning in for the first time or haven't done so already. Um, Supercat says, do I see Arsenal signing a midfielder? Much, much less than I did say a month ago. I really thought that we would push for a wide player and a midfielder. I think maybe that the injury to Jesus is having more of an impact than maybe we initially thought it might, especially with all the Joao Felix. Maybe if there wasn't such an obvious lone candidate to go for, we would be more in for a midfielder. But with this Joao Felix kind of profile out there and available, that might have changed things for the club. Um, Paul says, shouldn't a better barometer of Mudrick's value be how much Liverpool paid for Gakpo and Diaz? Uh, not really. Uh, and the reason why I say that, Paul, is because I'm very, very reluctant always to compare price tags of players because the situations are often very, very different. The clubs are very, very different. The age profiles are very different. The clubs they're coming from, the leagues they're coming from are very different. The contract lengths are very different. There's too many factors to go, well, this player costs this much and this player costs this much, so this player must be worth this much. It's it's impossible to really get a genuine comparison of price tags. Clubs tend to do it in terms of what we're seeing with Shakhtar saying about Grealish, saying about Anthony, but Arsenal could just turn around and say, well, what about Gakpo? You know, price tags of other players should rarely ever uh, give a barometer of another player's value because there's too many other factors involved in that valuation of the player. Ultimately, how much a player is worth is based upon the market for that player. What clubs are willing to pay for that player is their market value, regardless of what other players have gone for in the same window. The market value is always what the market is willing to pay for that player. So that's what we have to, to bear in mind. No one's paying 100 million. His, va his, value, his value in the market is not 100 million euros. His market value is whatever the highest amount of money the club are willing to go to. If you, you know, a, a player might be in the eyes of the club that are selling him worth more, but if no one's coming in with that level of money for the player, that can't be the market value and they, their valuation is too high. So that's that's how I kind of look at the market. That's just my opinion, of course. But uh, I don't think you can compare players' values because there's too many other mitigating circumstances involved. Uh, Reggie says, Tom, I heard that United has no cash to splash in January. Do you know anything about this? I don't, but I have seen those same rumours, uh, Reggie. I think that Man United are going to struggle. Who doesn't seem to have a problem with money right now is Chelsea with these links to Enzo Fernandez, over €100 million, Euros, you know. If FFP is being relaxed or they're coming in with kind of this new FFP strategy... FFB in itself is a joke anyway, but Chelsea really are under the <laughs> top bowling. People were laughing and joking a bit, me, myself included, when they had the whole fiasco with their ownership. Doesn't seem to have stopped them spending at all. Uh, Mamia says, what's the deal with Savic? Uh, you've probably seen these links coming out from Italy regarding Sergei Milinkovic-Savic and the fact that now he sees Arsenal as a viable option for him. If there is a deal to be done for Savic, it won't be done in January. I imagine it would, if it indeed could happen, be done in the summer. Um, when he would be, you know, I think, what, nearly, I think, 28 uh, by that point. So you're spending, yeah, so in February he turns 28. He's 27 until that point, though. It's important to point that out. <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, he's spending a lot of money on a 28-year-old. We bought Partey at 27. 
So it's not like we're afraid to spend big money on players that are in their mid to late 20s, but uh, you would only be getting three, four, five at the max top years out of Milinkovic-Savic. Maybe that's worth it. Maybe that's worth the money. Um, scrolling down some more in our chat box. I know I, I talk a long time with some of these answers and then don't get to the bottom. Uh, Patrick says, do you think uh, the the something... the I don't even know what that is. It's the end for Nunez in Liverpool. Uh, I don't know what that is. The, oh, the Gakpo signing. Wow, Patrick, that, <laughs> I had to really decipher what those words were. Uh, is the Gakpo signing the end for Nunez? No, it's not. You know, Gakpo, well, I imagine, will play off the left still for Liverpool. There may be times he plays through the middle, or even you could play Nunez off the left like he has done for Uruguay. It's not the end for Nunez at all. I actually think that this is a really smart signing by Liverpool. They have a lot of goal-scoring wide players who can play in other positions because they play a style that really suits that type of player. If you think about the amount of crosses Liverpool put into the box compared to Arsenal, it's night and day. You know, Robertson and Trent are always flinging, flinging balls in. Gakpo's got that power and height like Nunez does that you think it would suit them. He's got the pace in behind. Liverpool have often created chances for Nunez in behind that he's not taken. I think Gakpo will thrive, to be honest, at Liverpool. There is because I think the Liverpool style is different to that of Arsenal's. And what Arsenal do is much more similar to Man City. They do have their own style, but there are certainly elements that you see are similar to, to Man City compared to Liverpool's style that I think Gakpo suits a lot more. And that's why Arsenal weren't necessarily convinced to add Gakpo, whereas Liverpool have felt that he is a profile that fits that system. And I can absolutely see why they've done that. Um, Tom says, talking about Podolski, are there players on the market who can score a beautiful thunder bastard of a goal from miles away? I miss those strikes. Yeah, me too. Um, is there? I miss the likes of Podolski and Hulk, if you remember him as well. Players that could just smash the ball so hard into the back of the net from like 30 yards away. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. I'm sure there's plenty being shouted out in the chat box now, but uh, I can't think of too many off the top of my head no um <laughs> i miss hulk so much he used to be a you know a compilation brilliance but it's from hulk on youtube you could find so many ridiculous goals from range from him um rohan says does bellingham have a release clause i don't think so uh i think he's just valued at over 100 million by dortmund so no i don't think he does but i might be wrong um frank says i'm not saying it's the best fit but short-term solutions for the striker position who wouldn't take long to settle and can fill in for those Euro, uh, European Champions League games or Europa League games. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure who, Frank, you would suggest kind of is those short-term options. Uh, Frank does say, I'd rather Palinha from Fulham in the summer uh, in that kind of midfield role, but uh, I don't really see what short-term options. If it was Antonio, um, it's a solid no, <laughs> which I've just said a comment you put in there. It's a solid no on Antonio. It doesn't fit anything of what we do and style-wise. Um, Dogen says, uh, what do you think of Yunus Musa? I believe he's a really good player and can be a great backup to Partey. He is a very good player. He has done very well at Valencia and the US men's national team. Would cost around 20 million, apparently. That's what Valencia are after. Is that the type of player that we want to bank on for the long-term future to replace Partey? I'm not sure, but I do think that it's almost impossible to find Partey's replacement whenever we have to do that. It's going to be very difficult indeed. You know, Bellingham isn't a Partey replacement. I mean, Declan Rice arguably is probably the best option in the Premier League, but it's going to be very, very expensive unless you can get him on a free in a couple of years' time or 18 months' time, I think. I just don't necessarily see that happening. Maybe Ruben Neves is not a bad shout from Prince Tutu. You know, Ruben Neves is not a bad option um, for that DM position, another Premier League-ready player. 
could be quite expensive, but his contract too is is reaching a bit of an end. So maybe that's the type. I have more of an impression that Arsenal will probably look for a young player that will develop into that player rather than someone that's more immediately ready. But I might be wrong. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, let's go to... I see him. He says, do you believe that the arrival of Mudrick can influence the renewal of Martinelli's contract? No, I think that will be absolutely fine. I think if you're Martinelli, you know, I think you'd want to be in a club that's competitive. You'd want to be in a club that's adding quality all the time and gives you the best opportunity to win a title. So no, I don't think so. I think that is very close, if not already behind the scenes kind of done at this stage. Uh, Seru Waggy says, uh, do we have a chance with Ferran Torres? I think there's a chance that Arsenal could have if they wanted to push again for him. They tried apparently at the end of last summer's transfer window to push for Ferran Torres. I'd rather see us go for Mudrik personally than Ferran Torres, but I think Ferran Torres is a very good versatile option that could offer us something in the middle and in those wide positions. But I know that a lot of people have their doubts about Ferran Torres as well. There is over a 1,000 of you tuning in this morning, which is fantastic. Thank you so much for the continued support on the channel. For those that missed the earlier points earlier on, later on today, we will be doing that detailed Mikhailo Mudrik uh, ultimate tactical breakdown with Ukrainian journalist, journalist Andrew Todos of Zoya. Londonsk. So do make sure you set your alarms for 2 p.m. at UK time. We'll be doing that live so you guys can even ask questions to Andrew uh, on the show as well. Um, Ian says, we have to get another midfielder that can be made into the playing style of Partey. It took Partey one to one and a half years to master that position um, and the way that Arteta wants to play. It's a difficult position. And, and as, as I've said before, you know, if the expectation is of yourself, that, and this is not you, I am, but people in general, that we need to sign a player that can re- replace Partey or rotate with Partey or cover Partey in January, prepare to be disappointed because the realistic side of this is, is that just is not going to happen. You know, there just isn't the players out there who can give you what Partey can give you. The reality is, is that we're going to struggle to bring in somebody that can do as good of a job as El Nenny can do in the short term. Because he's already transitioned, he's already in with the team, he already knows how Arteta wants to play, he's already covered for Partey. You know, you're going to find it a difficult challenge to find somebody that can give you an immediate impact more so than what El Nenny does now. I know that's not what people want to hear, I understand that. But the reality is of the situation that that is where we are at with that. So, you know, it's like Danilo when we talked about him. If Danilo came in and we were playing Man City tomorrow, I'm starting El Nenny if Partey isn't available over Danilo any day of the week. And that's kind of where we're at with the number six position in the team. We might need to find somebody. I would love to find somebody in this window, but I think the midfielder that we're more likely to bring in is that left eight position. You know, that Tillemans being brought forward more so than the number six, because I think there's more options in that left eight role than there is. But arguably, we've got more depth in that left eight role than we do at six, because we've got Laconga and we've got Vieira and we've got Smith Rowe coming back who potentially could play there. Um, and there's someone else as well who I'm forgetting, um, but I can't remember. So, yes, there's, there is a number of options that we've got. You could even play Oneni with Partey if you wanted to do and push Partey slightly further up or vice versa. So there are options that we have. Um, but, yes, I don't think the midfield is what is going to happen. Um, yeah, Ian says, for a long term, that is how Man City did with Rodri. And let's be honest, you know, Rodri is was kind of the best option in the world at that point. And I just don't see there being an equivalent Rodri on the market right now. Um, I Again, I could be wrong. And there might be someone, obviously, that I'm forgetting. 
But with Fabinho at Liverpool, you know, and and Rodri uh, now at Man City, I just don't see when they sign those players right now that kind of scenario happening. I just don't see that available. Milinkovic Savic, could he be that player? He's more of, in my mind, a forward-thinking eight than a deeper eight. But at the same time, Partey did play very progressively at Atletico Madrid. Didn't play an out-and-out six role. All that often for Atleti was expected to do a lot going forwards. And he has transitioned, you know. Enzo Fernandez is just that player that's worth over 100 million. You're just not going to see that happen. So, And to be honest, I think that's far too much money. You know, I, I liked him at the World Cup. I've liked seeing what he's doing at Benfica. But I wouldn't pay over 100 million for Enzo Fernandez. I just don't think that's a smart decision uh, at all, to be fair. Um, anyway, we are going to wrap things up there. Again, one final plug for this afternoon's Mikhailo Mudrik Ultimate Tactical Breakdown. It will be out at 2 p.m. UK time live with Andrew Todos. So do tune in for that. It'd be awful if you cancelled now. <laughs> I've plugged this one so much. But indeed, so I'm assured that Andrew will be with us, uh, with us later on this afternoon. We'll be looking at graphics, stats, uh, answering your questions, looking at how he performs against low blocks, how he performs on the counter, how he fits into the system. Is he worth these big figures that are being talked about? All of that discussed and more a little bit later on today. So thank you so much for tuning in. It's been a genuine pleasure. Do drop a like before you go. As you leave uh, through the door, just press that like button. We'd much appreciate And if you are indeed new or you've just come here for the first time, do subscribe to the channel as well as we work our way towards 50,000 subscribers. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see you again very, very soon. And as always, up the Arsenal. Oh, quick thing before I wrap up. There will be no Eat Sleep Arsenal repeat podcast this week. Christmas uh, and all of that lovely stuff uh, meant that we couldn't do it. So uh, lots of things going on around Christmas. But we are endeavouring to return next week. Of course, Arsenal play on Tuesday night, which is when we usually record. So we won't be bringing it out on Wednesday, but we're going to aim to record it on, on the Wednesday evening. So it'll be coming out on the following Thursday after. So that'll be Thursday the... Um, twin, no, Thursday the 5th of January will be, hopefully, fingers crossed, the next Eat Sleep Arsenal repeat, which will be the first uh, podcast of the new year, uh, which means we'll be talking New Year's resolutions of fitness and stuff like that, and hopefully have more of an update on Gabriel Jesus and potential injury histories of transfer targets to discuss as well. So do make sure you uh, have your notifications turned on for when that will drop. But yes, apologies for like uh, ending to the show with that tagged on, but I just wanted to let you know, no Eat Sleep Arsenal repeat podcast this week because of Christmas, but next week, hopefully a day later because of Arsenal playing on Tuesday. It will indeed be out on that Thursday. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will see you again very, very soon. And once again, as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered. I fans.